The Things We All Carry is a podcast about first responders and their stories surrounding trauma on the job. The intention of this podcast is to raise awareness and share meaningful conversation around a subject often viewed as taboo or simply ignored. Be aware this content may be graphic and it is real. It may not be suitable for children or adults triggered by this subject matter. Welcome back to The Things We All Carry. And uh, welcome back to a surprise episode. I'm going to drop this on a day I don't normally drop an episode. It's, uh, I sat down today to, to kind of cull through the episodes I have and what I have ready to go. And I was trying to decide which one to release next week. And I remembered this one and I took a look at it again. And, and it, it's kind of an episode to itself. It's, it's one I wanted to release kind of just like this on a whim and say hey here it is this is what we talk about take a listen and see what you think and this episode is with steven out of houston again steven sims is a firefighter from the houston area he has been in the fire service since about 2007 he's a a ladder truck driver in 55s do in houston he um he's been through a lot in his career as a firefighter but during that time as a firefighter, he's been through a lot as a parent. And we talk about his experience as a father of kids with autism. He has three, three kids, and they range from 26 to 5. Um, the youngest, the 5-year-old, has been diagnosed with autism. He is what typically you would hear people refer to as nonverbal, but Stephen and his wife prefer to say non-speaking because he does communicate. He just has his own style of communicating. And Stephen has learned how to navigate the waters of special ed. And it's a valuable thing to know. And it's a valuable thing to hear about. And it's it's valuable for us to hear that, you know, if your child has, has some special needs at school, many others have special needs out there. And many of us have experience working with kids with, with special needs. And so I think this is a valuable episode just from that standpoint alone. Hey, what's out there? What can you do? What resources are available? And what can you do as a parent? Stephen lays, lays it out quite a bit for us. And he's an interesting person to talk to. He's, he's a fascinating human and individual. He spends the first part of the show talking about his kids and autism and how he's learned to work with it and how he's learned to work with the school system and, and what, um, what, services are available. And then the second part of the show, we talk about ADHD and, and kind of an adult diagnosis of ADHD and, and how he went about dealing with that and, and learning how to make changes in his life to make himself more successful and, and more focused and, and, and more available, I guess would be a good way to put it. This was a conversation we had just after Christmas, after the new year. And you can hear that I'm still sick. Uh, I got hit with a cold, a couple of colds right around Christmas. And you can hear it in my voice. I'm still sick. And so this is part two of my conversation with Stephen Sims from Houston, Texas. And I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get something from it. And just let me know. Let, let's talk about it. Let's, let's open a dialogue. And, and Remember, what happens at home affects what we do at work, and what happens at work affects what we do at home. So all of this is intertwined and interconnected, and all of this is, is just important information to get out there and talk about. So you go out there, enjoy your day, give it a listen, and tell me what you think. This is episode 105 with Stephen Sims.
A quick reminder to please help us build a community which not only recognizes, but supports each other through the struggles and recovery. Reach out through Instagram at the things we all carry or email my story at the things we all carry.com to offer support and share your story. Please remember to leave a review on iTunes and give a shout out to any first responder you know, love, or care about. Y'all enjoy the show. So, you feel good? Ready? I'm ready. All right. Well, welcome back to the things we all carry. Today, well, this morning, actually, no, it's afternoon for me. So, uh, this afternoon, I've got Stephen coming back on the show. He uh, he was with me a couple of weeks ago before the holidays and we kind of talked about his story and, and his fire service experience. And, and today we're going to spend some time talking about, uh, well, ADHD, his, his experience with ADHD in the fire service, and maybe get into kind of the prevalence of ADHD in the fire service. Neither one of us are scientists, neither one of us have done research, you know, scientifically at least about, about, uh, neurodivergence in the fire service, but coming from the standpoint of, of, experiencing life ourselves with it. It's something to talk about. And then we're also going to kind of discuss his experience as a, as a dad with a child with autism and, and how that affects him, how it affects his, his day-to-day life, not only in the firehouse, but also at home. And the, the two are, are intertwined. So they, they affect each other. Um, good morning, Stephen. How are you? Or good afternoon. Excuse me. Good. 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 Good morning. Afternoon. And I know we I talked a little yeah, bit about holidays here too. I know we talked a little bit about the holidays, yeah. but, uh, We'll share it with the guys or the audience. How was your holiday? Oh, it was good. Uh, we, uh, we don't do a lot of family things anymore. We kind of just focus on us. Uh, it seems being a neuro neuro spicy household, it seems to go off better if we just kind of do our own thing and, you know, we're not kind of stuck in somebody else's house or, or under somebody else's timeline, we just can do what we want to do. And, and it turns out better for our family that way. Um, so we just hung out at the house, did Christmas and New Year's at the house. Um, our, our five-year-old is, uh, it's all about the holidays right now. So we're just encouraging that on a, for a developmental standpoint for his autism. But beyond that, we just had a great family holiday. So those are the two things we want to talk about. And, and I don't know how you want to do them, how, how you want to start. Um, you want to start with you or do you want to start with being the parent of a, of a child with autism? Well, well, we can, let's start with being a parent because okay. I was a parent with, uh, you know, autistic and ADD children before I found out I was ADHD. Okay. Pretty much that's what dr- drove me into getting a diagnosis for ADHD. ADHD, um, but, um, my background in my family, I've been with my wife um, over, over a quarter of a century now, <laughs> 20, 26, 20, 27 years. We, and we have, uh, two older children, both are, uh, both have, um, autism and ADD, uh, and, uh, dyslexia, which all of those fall under the umbrella of, um, neurodivergence. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then we have our oldest one is 26. Our next one, our middle boy is 20. And then we have a, um, a younger son, which is, uh, he's five years old. 
and he's also autistic. Um, he's considered, some people use the word nonverbal. We prefer non-speaking because he's always communicated. Mm -hmm. He just hasn't communicated, you know, speaking wise, you know, with, with words and all of that. So what ways are you um, communicating with them then? And, and it, it, let me, before we get too much further into it, I want to preface this with my experience with it. And, and I worked on the other end. I, I, my kids were, well, I guess you would say neurotypical, but I don't know if any, anybody's neurotypical, to be honest with you. Uh, but my experience is from the professional side, because my, my previous career before I joined the fire service was with families and children with autism. And, um, uh, I, I practiced a little bit of ABA and so I've, I've got a pretty good working knowledge of what you're talking about. And so I don't want to jump too far ahead of it for the yeah. audience, but how are you communicating with him then? Uh, well, in the beginning, uh, he, um, he was seeing, he was using our five-year-olds, you know, was developmentally and all that on track and, and, uh, you know, being a parent of older kids, you know, coming in with this new, uh, younger one, you know, we, we had more of a plan, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't just like kind of trial by fire. You know, we actually knew our mistakes and were aware of our mistakes and knew what we could do better, you know, and plus, you know, from your older kids, you, you get Yelp reviews, which is not always yeah, Yelp review. fun to I listen like to, but but, but yeah, but it, but it, but it helps, you know, it, yeah. it really helps. Of course it does. You know, and, um, you know, and if you're willing to listen, you know, and not, not be dismissive of those, you know, comments on how bad your parenting was at sometimes, but, um, we took all of that and we had ideas on the way we wanted to go, uh, with, with our youngest and he was seeming he was developing fine. And I was like, I'm going to try this bait, you know, uh, sign language, you know, baby sign language and typical of my, my family, uh, my family is, uh, I started teaching him and he's like, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he, I think he, he learned like, all, like all done. He waved his hands, like all done and he learned more, but beyond that, it wasn't that. And then my wife was more aware of he wasn't developing right than I was. And when she first mentioned it, I was kind of resistant to it because I don't know. I, I can't even why, um, I was resistant, but, um, she pretty much slapped me upside the head said, Hey, something's wrong. You gotta listen to me. And, um, and while this was going on, another firefighter had brought his kid that was close to around the same age at the time was around two years old. And I heard that two year old talk and I was like, my wife's going to be mad at me because I didn't listen to her, but you know, I saw the, saw this other kid talking, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, oh man, she's right. So he was this for a while. He was this, what I call radio silent. He was quiet. You know, he would, he would point at stuff more, um, you know, make noise and sound. We called it Tucka. He, he, he would just talk like Tucka, 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 you know, mm. but he would be having conversations, but just not, not speaking. And then, um, one word, you know, he would have one word here, one word there, but not much. 
And uh, so around two, we took him in and he got diagnosed with um, with autism and in mm -hmm. the speech delay. And uh, his, I think around two, his speech was around a nine month old. But on the flip side of that, his problem solving skills were of a five to six year old. So if you could only imagine having a toddler that can't speak, you know, at a two year old level, but, but can, you know, I want that and he's going to figure it, figure out yeah. how to get that at a five to six year old level. So, um, and then we started, um, early education through the state because he was under three and um it was uh i think we tried the uh picture exchange yeah thing um i think it's called peck yeah it's Pex. uh and yeah. again yeah it, and again like sign language he's like i'm not doing that you know so it was um it was a lot of this, like with him was just like one word and pointing and, and, and like trying to figure out what he was saying to you. Um, and the one thing I did learn from his early educational teacher that I took from there was just talking to him like he's normal, you know, like, not, not, I mean, he is normal, but you know, just, in, just having a regular conversation with him and, and not, tr not baby talking. Yeah. Not, not using, you know, uh, a different kind of language you wouldn't use in the household. And that's what I did. And it's called pretty much called uh, perceived confidence. So like he's understanding, he's just not able to verbally tell you what he wants or needs or anything like that. So from that day on, I just talked to him like he was normal and like, like in, in a normal conversation month, it was no special way of talking to him. And that's pretty much how we communicated. It was just a lot of detective work mm -hmm. until recently. Uh, he also, um, we also use an AAC device with him. It's just the iPad with a, an app on it, but um, kind of having issues uh, back and forth to school with that right now. Um, I think that's another challenge with kids with autism or, uh, any special educational needs. Sometimes with the schools, it's kind of difficult to mm -hmm. get things going in the right direction for the child. Uh, we can talk about that. We have time later, but, uh, he uses that right now as well, but, uh, his verbal, his verbal communication is way more vast than it was six months ago. So full, you know, he's using full sentences now. Um, you know, he's, he's actually tell it, he could actually tell you his wants and needs a lot. Uh, he still does go radio silent where he just doesn't talk, doesn't want to talk. Um, so, but when he is being verbal and he is more into communicating, he's willing to talk about things. We're very big on promoting those, those things like, uh, He's really been talking about the new year. So we, we did, um, things with him on New Year's Eve. Uh, he's been talking about the, uh, lunar new year as well. So, um, I'm learning about that. I 
have someone uh, I just learned that's March that I work with that that can direct me on the Lunar New Year stuff. So without you being here and seeing how we communicate, I, it's kind of hard to articulate really how we communicate with him. But well, I think that's a common thing. Uh, I, I think it, even when sometimes yeah. when you're in the room and you're watching a parent communicate with a with as you say a non-speaking typically called non nonverbal, <clears throat> you kind of you have to you have to follow along for a while. You have to, to go, okay, now I see what they're doing. You know, when, like when I was working yeah. with kids and families, I would go into a house and I would just stand in a corner. Basically, I would try to make myself part of the wallpaper and just observe. And with absent of that, right. it's hard to explain anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with, with the, the five-year-old, it's, it's so much, there's so much more information out there now, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, but unfortunately still, like you, you get a, you know, your child gets a diagnosis. I, I can say this from my point of view. I don't know anywhere else or anybody else, but I know there is not a clear roadmap. You know, like your child is diagnosed with autism, you know, here are the next steps you need to do. Right. I think when he got, when this recent diagnosis, uh, they sent a social worker in and she started talking about Medicaid waivers mm. and I'm sitting there like, I'm not on Medicaid. You know, I have private insurance and like, she did not, she was not able to articulate very well what those were. Right. And I didn't learn, a, I didn't get a very good explanation until we started early education and his early educational teacher explained what those Medicaid waivers were. And I'm like, oh, I wish they had told me this, you know, you know, could explain this eight months ago. Right. You know, I could have been on, been on all those lists eight months ago. So it's this, it's, it's those things that, um, you know, and with our older ones, guidance whatsoever, like transitioning, you know, from high school to adult life, which, you know, they're going to be behind the curve on, on that maturity anyway. But, um, you know, again, that there's no clear information. You have to go hunt. You, you have to pretty much become an expert and go hunt for this information to understand what the steps are. And unfortunately with my oldest son, we're so behind because the information wasn't there or we didn't know where to look for the information or we didn't know the wording to find the information. Um, so unfortunately he's the child we made the most mistakes on. Right. He, uh, he got his diagnosis later after high school for him, his, his autism more deals with like the, um, social interactions, mm -hmm. you know, thinking more on a, uh, linear logical linear thinking you know black and white yeah um very smart very engineered mathematical minded person but um i have to tell myself sometimes when he's talking that he's not being an asshole <laughs> he's just he's just talking because he can come off that way sometimes and yeah, I love him to death. He just, I guess it's that just that straightforward, logical way of speaking. You're like, 
you know, there's just, and that's, that's his. And then, um, our middle son, he's just, uh, it's more the social and the social anxiety kind of things. And, and that's where his struggle is. Um, so, so how does, but it seems like every kid we gotten better at being that, you know, a parent to a newer diverse child. So how, you know, unfortunately I, for the other two, we were better, you know, we're better both the youngest than, well, yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just wondering, like, you're gone for 24 hours at a clip at least, right? Yeah. So how do you, how do you, how did you establish the, the ability to maintain consistency between with those hours that you're gone? So it, it all falls to your wife at that point, correct? Yeah. And yeah, you, you guys have to be in sync on a certain level to, to continue that on. Correct. It, it, it had yeah. to have taken a ton of practice just, you know, with the five-year-old alone. Man, it, it, my wife is, she's a stay at home, you know, her job is to stay at home. She takes, you know, we just, with the point, at some point, our, uh, our marriage, they were like, I told her I'll work, I'll work as much as possible, stay at home, make sure the kid, you know, kids are taken care of and all that. So it was, um, so she runs the house. She's the, you know, CEO of the house or however you want to say yeah, it. Exactly. And that's not taken lightly at all. I am trying to find a way when I retire, she has a retirement as well. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. cause she might go back in the workforce down the road. Who knows? You know, we'll see where life takes us. But at, if she doesn't, she stays at home. I mean, she was she was my partner through all this, you know, uh, she deserves some kind of like retirement just as, you know, people talk about my retirement from the fire department. So that's one thing I want to do for her, but man, it's just like, I, I guess we figured out what our strengths were and what our weaknesses were mm -hmm. for her. She's a very organized person. Uh, trying to figure out which one of us, or if both of us have autism. I know we all have ADHD. Um, but, um, but she has, she's very organized in that way. Um, taking care of the house and, and all that. And then, you know, I come in and help figured out a long time ago that I've been, you know, that you can be not mindful of people struggling, mm -hmm. you know, to do their job or whatever. And I just, through our relationship, just kind of figured out, okay, these are the places that are my strengths and I can step in and help. And so I do that, but also, unfortunately to that, I, I am the chaos to her organization sometimes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like she runs a tight ship when I'm not here and the ship is very loose when I'm here. Again, it's just trying to figure out that, um, how you can help each other and not get into each other's way. So what That's have you, been... what, what have you found? I mean, you're, you're a few, a few months ago, I spoke to a, a therapist out in California. Her name was Destiny Morris. And we talked about this, this re-entry into the house. And, and we talked to it, just talked about it just based on this, um, the husband and wife dynamic. So you're coming home and you're kind of amped up from work and you and, and your wife is probably a little amped up from having to take care of the house for the entire time you've been gone. And there's a trick to reintegrating right. and. And there's a trick from both sides to reintegrate 
and then and then move on and have kind of perform with a seamless day, right? So yeah, what have you found? What what tricks work for you then to to kind of fit yourself back into the household and the flow of things? Well, a I, I've started sleeping in at the station. Um, I don't I don't get up. Um, and rush home. I'll, I'll sleep in for a little bit, um, you know, and then get my coffee and, you know, I wake up and I get up, get my coffee and I'll, uh, start a podcast, start a book. Um, if I don't have any of that, I'll like listen to music on the way home and I just enjoy my coffee on the way home. Um, and then, um, I'll get home and I'll just come in and kind of mill around the house. If she's, if it's like during the school week or whatever, she's, she's got the little one up and off to school, you know, and I'm coming in and she's kind of already started her day. She's you know, either worked out or she's starting to do whatever household chores she needs to do that day. And I just kind of come in and I usually listen, you know, got my, uh, AirPods in, listen to something and I'll drink my coffee and I'll unload my truck and all that kind of stuff. And then I'll slowly go upstairs and just kind of like immediately just wearing my fire department t-shirt and shorts and Crocs, but I'll go take my fire department shit off, throw it in the dirty clothes, put my normal clothes on. And then we'll either have coffee together. We'll have breakfast together, hang out for a little bit. We got errands to do. We'll go do that. Not really a, a system, but it's just kind of how we found the flow. Mm-hmm. And then if it's like, if I had a bad day, she can read it when I come through the door. And then she's, then she, she's more like, okay, I'm not going to talk to him. <laughs> she's she's hands know? off at oh, that point. Yeah. Yeah. She's hands off pretty yeah. much, uh, you know, and you know, and I, again, I think, I think I've said this in a uh, previous podcast that, uh, sometimes I'm very bad at articulating that I'm having a bad day or right. I had a bad night or I woke up in a mood or whatever. So, um, which I'm trying to get better at, but uh, she can read me. She knows me well enough. And then, uh, She'll put out there, hey, you're being a little grumpy. Hey, you're doing this or whatever. And then it's up to me at that point to try to reset or just say, I don't think I'm going to be out of this mood for a minute, you know, or whatever. And she has her ways of like, again, just sitting down, watching a movie, watching a TV show, and just trying to change that mood a little bit without pressuring me as much. Right. You know. Of course, it doesn't always work because we can both be in a mood, you know, and uh, those are days that can be a struggle for us because we're really trying not to hurt each other's feelings, but at the same time, trying to manage our own emotions and the household, you know, and all that as well. So it's, you know, it's not always great. No, of course it's not. Again, you know, any relationship, you know, over a quarter century, sometimes is not great, you know, so, but. Um, that's pretty much it. You know, before, um, when I was on a busy apparatus, I would just come home and go to sleep and wake up, Mm -hmm. you know, around 
um, one, two o'clock in the afternoon. And, and, you know, and it was just kind of like, I was in a haze most of the day then, but it's the same thing. She was just kind of navigating the house around me and trying to try to let me get sleep. And then just trying to like, all right, let's just chill out. Let's do this. Or we need to go do this or whatever. And, um, again, you know, we, we have a big calendar in the kitchen. It's dry erase board. We live and die by that thing. Yeah. And so, um, um, you know, it's always just seeing what's on the calendar and, you know, just do what we need to do that day. And then, you know, trying to get our little projects done as well. Well, you, you mentioned it, that, that, you know, you didn't know of services, you didn't get diagnosis for the older kids until they were basically the oldest was out of high school. And then I, I'm not sure, yeah. I don't remember when you said you got it for the, for the middle child, but can you talk a little bit about that? What was your experience with schools? And I know that every school district is different because it, it depends on, it, it has a lot of, a lot of variables. I understand that and, and I hope the listeners right. understand it as well. Okay. But what did you find beneficial? What did you find um, difficult? What, how did you navigate that whole, hey, my child needs some services? Yeah. Well, you know, it, the school thing is a double-edged sword to say, because you have, well, on one side, you have great things, you know, you have great teachers and all that. And then you have the other side, the sharps, what I'm gonna call the sharp side, which is, um, they don't always tell you the information you need to know, right? you know, um, and it's, um, I don't know why I don't really understand the why behind that, but, um, like my, uh, my oldest son just struggled throughout school, you know, with teachers and administrators and all this. Um, and then when we got to high school, one of his engineering teachers, you know, just like took him on his wing and was a very big advocate for him. So that was one good thing at school. You know, he, he finally had someone at school that understood him and took care of him and advocated for him. And he, and that teacher was the one that, uh, suggested autism. Have y'all ever looked into autism? Cause he just had, uh, uh, for special education purposes, he had ADHD, mm -hmm. dyslexia, and uh, um, emotional disturbance. Okay, which I know they're trying to get away get away from that wording now. The emotional I mean, disturbance. I don't know what they're trying. Yeah, okay. emotional disturbance. Uh, they're trying to get away from that. Um, um, but again, it's an umbrella, thing and I can, I see why they use it. The middle son, uh, he had a when he was elementary school, how to get up and move around and all that kind of stuff. Um, and one of his teachers was like, he can get up, move around all he wants as long as he stays around his desk, you right. know, like very understanding. Um, and then, uh, he, he uh, both of those boys are dyslexic and he, uh, my, uh, middle son had dyslexic support all the way through my older oldest at some point. Uh, the school district that he started school in, but we moved away from, but this was one of the reasons, uh, uh, said he basically that his dyslexia was cured. Just you know? cured. How did, how, I'm not sure yeah, how you cured. cure it. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Again, uh, 
And that school district was more how they treated kids with, um, with his special education classifications was more of a, it was more, man, it's, this felt like prison to me. Okay. And, uh, and to my wife. And that's why we left that school district and moved to another city that had a highly rated school district. Same one we're in now. And, but with the, those two, those two, we really didn't understand the whole process. The, um, especially the IEP, the individual educational plan that you get every year yep. when you're in special education. What? We didn't understand goals. We didn't really understand the usage of goals and, mm -hmm. um, and, um, how you could use goals for learn, you know, learning life skills, mm -hmm. like the two older boys, we could have them and, you know, one of the life skills was like driver's ed through the school with that special education support. We didn't know we could ask for those things. Mm -hmm. They were never suggested to us. Right. Either, you know, so like just this and realizing, you know, how much the schools have, how long they're at school that you, yeah. they're at school longer than you have them at home. Yes. So why are we not using the school time mm -hmm. to teach these life skills that they really don't want to learn from us anyway? Because we're parents and we're dumb and stupid and we don't know what we're talking right. about. You know, it's, it's normal kid stuff. So unfortunately with, with the older two, we didn't really, we didn't get those essential services that we need hmm. with my the youngest, uh, I don't think they like deal with me, with me well, because a, I'm way more educated in it. Um, I come in with an advocate mm -hmm. mindset, you know, so it's like, I'm asking the tough questions like, um, last year during his, uh, IEP his annual meeting to go over his IP for this year, like I got nuts got to the meeting, sit down right next to the principal, pull out my computer, pulled out the, you know, notes I had and tabs and highlighted and then, mm -hmm. you know, and all this stuff. And they're like, what do you got going on there? I'm like, you ready to have this meeting? Cause I am. <laughs> You're an, you administ an so, administrator's nightmare. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, it's just, um, have, the, the knowledge the parents don't have going in because the, you know, a lot of the goals they put into those IEPs, I feel like are cut and paste from a bank. Right. Uh, you know, and also they're putting this on the, they're putting this whole educational plan on the teacher, right. You know, one single teacher, or maybe it's, you know, the special education liaison may help too. I'm not sure how all that works within the school, but you know, because again, I deal mostly with the teacher. Um, but, um, though, and it's, and again, I, I feel like everything I, we fight for is a systematic thing and not, I don't want to blame the individual, like the teacher or, or any of the special educational staff. Right. Um, if I'm going to start blaming someone, I'm going to start blaming the principal because they're an administrator of the school, yeah. kind of, you know, run the system. And far more than that, I'm going to 
blame the special education director of the school district. Yeah. Um, you know, cause though th th those would be the, the system to me. And, um, but I mean, we just had awesome experiences with teachers, like my middle one had a meeting one time, but man, I can't get this math. I can't get into his math. You know, it just it feels like a fight every, every day after school. And she just looked at me and it's like, teacher was like, it's not your job to teach you math. It's my job to teach you math. And so from there on, for him, the problem of homework almost went away. Um, that teacher kind of set the standard after that of us talking about doing homework and assistance with homework and standing up saying, Hey, we're not here to, to teach this homework. So y'all, you know, we're gonna have to figure out a way to, for him to understand this and be able to get his assignments completed right you know so it was um that I, I guess that would be the start of of advocacy for us you know and and i was always an advocate for my older boy with his uh emotional disturbance because the uh just the way some people treated him um and not trying to stand where he was coming from and he's kind of labeled as a bad kid sometimes and he was not a bad kid. He was no. never malicious. Never had a malicious. He just he he he's a lot like me when it comes to rules. And it's like you better tell me why I'm doing this because if you're just telling me to do it, then good luck on you to get me to do it. Strange so, how that happens, huh? They end up like us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and and, and I sometimes want to punch myself in the face when I hear them talk because I. <laughs> They use my words against me. <laughs> yeah, I, I experienced that once or twice. Yeah. But, you know, and uh, so with older two, it was just not, not knowing anything. And now it's knowing everything and then getting those services put into place for whatever reason. Like, an uh, example was uh, getting an AAC device for my son. The school couldn't supply one, but it was like, hey, you know, I can get through the state with this program that take um, money out of uh, telecommunication taxes. So cell phone, uh -huh. all, you know, internet, right. all that kind of stuff. And people with communication problems can get a device or whatever they need through the state. You just got to fill this, you know, paperwork out. And I needed a speech pathologist to right. fill out one part. And the school did the, the evaluation. So I went to them and like, no, you need to go to your private. So I went to private and the private's like, we can do this, but we'll have to do another evaluation. Let's not waste time and go back through the school. And I'm like, I agree with you. So I go back through the school and the speech pathologist like refused to do it. Hmm. And, and then, you know, I sent a pretty nasty email to, uh, to everyone, including special education director. And I'm like, I need in writing, you know, basically saying, I don't know what, what's going on. I don't understand it. I don't, why can't you sign this piece of paper to get a device that he needs? Right. You know, so I need in writing why y'all are not going to do this. Right. Put the pressure on them. And, yeah. And it was at the end of the school year and it really didn't get settled. And so 
as soon as the school year started, I kind of gave it a couple of weeks and I just started firing off emails, things that are not taken care of from last year. One of them was the, um, AAC device. Another was an evacuation plan. Mm, yeah. Since our, yep. you know, our, our, uh, our youngest, you know, non-speaking, non-verbal, um, what if he gets evacuated? Who's going to go with him? Who's going to be his communication yeah. partner? What happened is communication partner gets mm-hmm. injured or killed. You know, what are you going to, you know, what are you going to tell him? You know, what are you going to tell first responders? Right. Do we need to bring the first responders in for training? Do they know what is needed for all special education students? Cause not only am I advocating for him, I'm advocating for all the special education students at the campus. And the answer to that and is, in the school is district. the answer to that is no, Nothing. first responders don't know how to work with special, uh, special needs. Right. Not for the most part. And yeah, exactly. Uh, um, I, I've collected many people in the fire service, uh, using, um, outdated language. Mm-hmm. You know, I know it's in the common language now, but you know, like, um, People use Asperger's and I'm like, there's no Asperger's, it's just autism. Yeah. Um, um, you know, functioning levels, that's not really a thing anymore. Uh, all this kind of things. And I'm like, and, and I, and I tell them, I was like, language is important. Yeah. Especially dealing with, you know, people with autism and other neurodiversities, these, these like, the language is important because um it just language almost starts to paint a myth of things sometimes or yes. a misunderstanding of things and so i'm like that's why i'm correcting you and i will continue to correct you because this is you know this one of those hills i'll die on right but it, it's it's just things like like that well with the the uh, evaluation plan which we're getting there better they still haven't answered my questions yet, but you know, and I'm like, like I tell them on the evacuation plan, this is the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't get a hold of me. You can't get a hold of my life. It's just a crazy scenario. You're throwing kids in buses, you're throwing, throw kids in ambulances, whatever, you know, how is this going to go? How are we going to, you know, right. how's he going to communicate? How are we going to know how to do this? So, because God forbid you lose my child. Like, I'm not going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to hold you personally responsible for losing my child, you know, and I have brought this up to you multiple times. So, and again, that's like the failure within the systems, you know, I don't know why you, there's not an evacuation plan. I don't, you know, and again, I don't know why first responders don't have an idea about the schools and what the school needs during evacuation. Um, because I don't, you know, where I work, I don't, I'm kind of on my own trying to fix that. I've reached out to schools to trying to figure out a way to have somewhat of information without having personal information out there, you know, just the basics of what we need, where the special education classes are, if there's any super, spe- you know, medical needs we need to know about if we make response. And I'm trying to make a binder of that. So if we do make that school, we do understand these are the things we need to do. And I'm kind of doing that on at my, my level, my territory, because I just don't think 
we can do that at a department level right now. No, I don't think you can. I, I think no. that's a that's a first due level. Yeah. So. So as but, a yeah, and that, that's the. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, man. Go. Sorry. No, I just said that. That's that, those are the those are just kind of like the couple examples of of the challenges it is with the system to get the services you need. You know. I think my question was going to be just if you had a top three, top three. Yeah, let's go with three. You're, you're speaking to a coworker or you're speaking to an audience of, of parents who are, are trying to figure out what's going on with their children and trying to figure out the school system. If you had this top three things you need to come prepared with, what, what are those top three things for this? I, I can, let me, I'm going to pull up a note real quick. Uh, well, first of all, is you, you need to uh, uh, become an expert in whatever is with your child, uh, what's going on with your child. Mm -hmm. Is uh, you have to know just as much, you have to know just as much as the experts do. Um, if you don't understand what they're talking about is to them and tell, tell them to explain it to you in a very elementary way. Like, okay. I don't understand what you're saying and, and continue to have them explain it to you, to you understand it. Right. And because you can't go in somewhere and ask for things for your child and not know what to ask for. No. Not at all. You or not to it. know what your rights are. If you're going, if you're going to have a kid in special education, I suggest you go either buy the printed version of the, the special education law under the uh, IDEA Act, IDEA Act. You know, buy that and learn it. Like study it and learn it. Yeah. So when you go in there, you know all the procedural processes, what your rights are. Because you see a lot with schools that they'll take a segment of the law that says, we can only give your kid this because the law says this. But you read further down into that law, into number of points, ability to points or whatever, you'll find what you're asking for is completely within your rights. Yeah. Um, and the third thing I would say is when you're asking for accommodations and all that for your child, you're not begging and pleading with people. You're not asking you're, you are requesting these accommodations because those are your child's civil rights. Yeah. And if they say no, they are saying no to your civil rights. And then the, uh, federal government does not like that. And, and they will come down hard on the schools. And that's the mindset you really had to have. I'm not coming in and asking for a favor. Right. I'm requesting that my child's civil rights under the law are seen to. Yeah. You're holding the school system accountable. Right. It, yeah. yeah. It's not a, like you said, it's not, Hey, can, can we think about doing this? No, it's, Hey, this is what you, this is what my child deserves. This is what they're owed under the law. Give it to us. Yeah. And don't, yeah. yeah and, and. Yeah, there's a runaround, and, and I want to I want to revisit one of the things you said. Ask them to explain it until you understand it. 
I think even more importantly, ask them to explain it until they understand it. Yeah. You know, because there's a difference there. They can spout off what they think is right, but then as you talk more about it and you delve more into it, it's just like you said, you're pointing out what the rights are. And yeah. you're pointing out, okay, you read a segment of the law. Now let's read the entirety of the law and let's let's find out, no, this is what my child is entitled to. Not, not offered, entitled to. Yeah. So yeah. let's switch. And, and yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. No, well, we're... I was just saying, and just always push back. Don't, yes. don't take no for an answer and always push back. And yes. then, it, and like, and there's a, you know, there's a whole procedure you can go through, but you know, every, every time, you know, say, I need this in writing, mm -hmm. you know, anytime they say no, or they can, or whatever, yep. just, I need this in writing. Yep. And the only thing you're doing is building up a case paper trail that they cannot educate your child. Yep. So you're, so then you can go, well, you cannot provide, you know, an ed education for my child. So now we're going to go find a place that can, yep. with you covering the call. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. Hey guys, quick break right here, just to check in and thank each of you for listening to the show. Your support has been paramount, and I appreciate all of you. I have one request, though. I need you to share the show with everyone you know. Help me get the word out and spread these stories as far and as wide as we can. While you're at it, please leave a review of the show wherever you happen to listen. Feel free to reach out to me at any time to share your story, to talk, or to pass on suggestions. Let's get on with the rest of the show. Let's, okay. let's switch gears a little bit here because we, we want to fit in a little bit of talk about ADHD as well. Right. And you've talked about it with me. You, you, you're, you're pretty open about it with me. And I think you're pretty open about it with anybody. You're, you're, yeah. you, you yourself are diagnosed with ADHD. I'm not diagnosed, yeah. but I, but I, I noticed the hallmarks and, and I, I'm actually on the path to finding that out a little bit. So when were you diagnosed with ADHD? I was diagnosed with ADHD in my mid thirties. Okay. Um, uh, my first uh, chauffeur, Sam, probably uh, 31, so 33, 34. Okay. And, and I just, you know, you know, I, I don't know what, what, how, what, what, how other people do with us. It was just books and, and guidelines, right? Yeah. I think we had four books and, and our guy, all the guidelines probably ended up being another two or three books, you know? Yeah paper wise. And, um, and I just didn't study. Like I knew I needed to study. I knew I wanted to promote, but you know, again, the knowledge of knowing to doing something and actually performing it are two different things, especially with ADHD. Mm -hmm. And within that time I'm doing, my kids are going to see the doctor for ADHD. They're, you know, I'm, they're doing all the school stuff and I'm like, think I got it. You know, I really think I have it. And so after, uh, I didn't study for my first over exam, the next one was coming up and I just want to do everything right. You know, it's like, if I'm going to get on meds and all that, I want to do it right. Um, and so went and got psychological testing and I was diagnosed with ADHD and I, read my psychological testing and it was hilarious. Cause I mean, I, all the hallmarks of ADHD, right. uh, you know, um, 
like late for every appointment, um, um, you know, conversations were all over the place. Yeah. And it just you know, all this you know, hard when I was doing all the little tests, I me mean, just trying to concentrate to do all the tests. Um, Cause she, um, doctor was just observing me the whole time. And I just laughed. It was funny. I was given that. And then I could go see that was with a psychologist. Then I could go see a psychiatrist to get medication. Right. But unfortunately, uh, uh, for me, I was just given medication, which, you know, really helped me, but I was never given, given any tools to, um, manage my ADHD. I was never given any tools to manage my ADD, uh, ADHD with medication and understanding that you're going to have all this newfound focus that you never had before. And you can use that all for bad, you know, <laughs> yeah, going yeah. down, you know, they'll and, use it for good, not and, for evil thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I stumbled through that. I stumbled through my forties at one point after my chauffeur that, uh, my next chauffeur exam, I took, uh, got promoted. Uh, I mean, I, I forgot how many people were on the list over 300. I was, I was, I was 51 on the list. So I, I did, I did fairly well. I studied stuff. I mean, it gave me like, I could gave me the focus and I studied. Right. Um, uh, and again, I got, I got 51 up. Oh, I was 51 on the list. So, um, pretty proud of that. But, uh, after that, I was like, man, I don't need this medication and just, and, and then I realized, oh shit, I need this medication because, you know, my life was just going back to in the toilet again on, on certain things. Um, it was always in the toilet on other things, but, um, I got back on medication and, and I've been using it consistently since then. Um, some, some people don't do well on medication. Like my two older kids, they, they never did well on the stimulants. My oldest boy did well on the non-stimulants because of his liver function. But the, uh, uh, stimulants were great for me. Um, but then, uh, fast forward a few years ago when I, what I'm calling is starting my journey. And I think this is where I started my journey. Um, my wife started talking about, uh, executive functioning. Yeah. Like, Hey, you need to look into executive functioning. And so, um, again, she's a smart lady. She plants mm -hmm. a little seed in my head and just lets it sit there. Right. Mills around. And yeah. then, you know, one day I just, you know, I hit the, you know, hit the YouTube and I, uh, found, uh, Dr. Russell Barkley and he's got multiple, uh, videos out there on ADHD, but the ones I saw, um, were segments of one big speech. I forgot. I don't know where he did it at, but I mean, he went through what causes ADHD, you know, in the brain, like all the scientific stuff. And then it got to the executive functioning and it's like that stuff hit me like a ton of bricks, Yeah, like impulse control, self-motivation, working memory, you know, all those things that, um, 
I struggle with a lot. And that's where I really started learning about ADHD and tools I needed to uh, use to help me, help me manage it. Even, you know, even though I do have, you know, I'm on medication for it, you know, again, I still have to, it, it helps me, but it doesn't get rid of uh, what they call executive dysfunction. So my, my phone is like my personal assistant. I, again, I like have, I have a calendar, my calendar, and I really use that for like, if that involves other people, you know, like I have appointments, I have meetings, the kids have appointments, wife has appointments, you know, things of that nature, like, you know, um, involves other people and other people's time that goes on my calendar. And then, uh, since I'm in the Apple ecosystem, I use, uh, Apple reminders as well. Right. And that, that's more like things that involve me, like, uh, errands, mm -hmm. you know, I have things I need to do, uh, um, you know, I use it, I have to-do list on, if I have projects going on, I, I have all my, I use that to-do list on those projects. Just simple things like, like Siri, like, Hey Siri, uh, remind me, call my meds in tomorrow. Hey Siri, you know, she's listening. I was going to say, she's probably listening um, right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, or put, uh, put milk on the shopping list. Right. Because with my ADHD, that, that is just. It works well because I just can grab yeah. my phone. Hey, put this here. It's now it's on the shopping list. Yeah, and so so those are like tools I've used um, to really help help me learn, and I've learned that over the last few years to do that. Now with and, the, um, with the executive functioning and and vice versa, the executive dysfunction. Yeah. So you're using these tools, like the, the calendar, the, the Siri, all of that. Um, right. I guess I'm trying to think of where, where I'm going with it. How did you, how did you start? How did you start to form, a, um, I'm, I'm at a loss for words right now. How did you start to form your system? Now, did you start like piece by piece and build up and, and gradually you, all of a sudden you look and you've got this whole interconnected system that, that just works for you or, yeah. or did you kind of shotgun it right, right away? No, they, well, the, the first thing was the calendar. The calendar's always been there. Um, I, I have an app on my phone. It's called scheduler. Uh, and it's like a fire department, um, schedule app. Um, and, um, it's cause I use it cause I can just look at it and see my, my, you can enter how your shift works and, um, uh, you can see your shift out, you know, to the future. Right. For me, only thing I have to do is every year I have to manually put in my debit days. Right. Which is like a reverse Kelly day. Um, we have to work. Um, but, uh, and so I can just look on there and see that. And it also has all these little markers you can put on there. So like, and it's, it's only for, uh, iOS, but, um, you see the dots, but you can put these little markers on there. I have one for family. So I know that's an important, it's an appointment or, you know, family time or something like that. And I have other little markers I use. So the calendar was the first thing and I used that for years because it was like, you know, my wife's like, when are you working? Cause you know, I guess people out, you know, uh, even my wife has been around this for 
16 plus years on the fire service schedule. She still doesn't know like when are you work? I know when you work in your, you know, your regular job, but what about your side job? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was, it was keeping track of all that. And then at some point I just realized that if it's only calendar, it, it exists. If it's not on the calendar, it does not exist. So at some, I don't know when, but at some point I realized that. So I'm like, okay, I need to start putting things on the calendar mm -hmm. more and more and more. So it was a lot of trial and base, you know, tri trial and error based stuff with that for a while. And then, um, as I started learning more about, you know, executive functioning, especially like with, uh, Dr. Barkley was saying things about using post-it notes, alarms and all this kind of things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I started kind of researching there's an app for everything, but at some point during, during that research, it's like, you don't need all these other apps. The only thing you need, if you've got an iPhone, you can use reminders. I'm right. Like, all right. So I started kind of watching videos and all that on how to use it and like, and I just kind of through trial and error again, just kind of made that work for me. Right. My system may not work for anybody else, but it works great for me. Right. And, 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 and I think that's the thing is trying to find. Exactly. And that's know, the thing. It's, it's, you know, a discussion like this is, is more for people out there to go, oh, wait a second, Ex executive function, executive dysfunction, schedules, app, apps, whatever. And, and they're starting to start thinking about how they can do it. I'll be honest yeah. with you. I never used yeah. to, I never used a calendar until I started this show. And then I realized that I have to have it because I, I would, I would call the, like, you and I would have a conversation. I'd be like, all right, well, we'll record on Tuesday, the, the 13th or whatever it is. And, and I would just yeah. maybe jot it down somewhere. But as you well know, with ADHD or with ADD or whatever you want to say it, that, that scatterbrained, you wouldn't remember it until, yeah. and then it would, I would look so unprofessional, which of course it's, this isn't a professional. Yeah. It, I'd like to think this is professional, but it's, it's a lot of, you know, seed my pants kind of thing. But then I would be like, oh yeah. shit, I forgot about that. Now I have to find it, find a way to, first of all, apologize. Second of all, reschedule and hope that they don't give up on the, the idea. And so then, then I was like, all right, well, I need to start using a calendar. And then I really, it's really tough to get used to using the calendar. And then it's tough to remember to put everything on the calendar. Yeah, that, that, that was, that was a struggle for me is, is like putting things on, like, I'll do that in a minute. And it's like, and, and using my language for a second, they're like, no motherfucker, you're going to put this on your calendar right now. It doesn't get done. It's only going to take do you 30, 30 seconds. Right. It's going to take you 30 seconds to do it. Right. But, yeah. But, but again, it, it, in some weird way, it's just, um, you, you tell yourself like, Again, and, and Dr. Barker kind of explains this, it's like there's separation in your brain of, of knowledge and performance, knowing what to do and then doing, right? Yeah, it, you, you know, you're able to do it, but then like your, you know, your frontal lobe's just not going to let you do it. You know, right. You're going to forget or, or whatever. And so you really have to make those conscious, like stop. Yeah. Put it in your calendar. Yeah. You know? Again, it's like me and my wife would be having a conversation and she'll be talking and I'm like, she'll say something that I need to remember. And I'm like, mm -hmm. stop. And then like, you know, hey, Siri, remind me later today to 
blah, 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 blah. Right. So I have to stop her in mid conversation to put that in my reminder or I'm typing it, you know, you know, people tell me something I'm typing a reminder as I'm doing it or what. And so they think I'm not paying attention, but I'm actually engaged and I'm trying to, you know, like have a helpful reminder later to get things done. They won't just do it. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's learning how to navigate that stuff and, and kind of putting your ego to the side and just trying to figure out what works for you. Yeah. And, and I think and, I, I had this discussion with somebody the other day about, um, what, what came first for, for us is it, is the prevalence of ADHD, a, a trauma response in many cases, or did, is ADHD what brought us into a, a occupation like the fire service? And I think that there's some kind of interconnectedness there. I'm not sure what it is. And, and I don't know what kind of study has been done on it. I would need to do some research, but then it was, it was interesting. Cause the one comment I got from, from this guest was, I don't know if I'd want to do that because will they, will they talk about, you know, some States are going to, um, PTSD as a service connected disability, correct? And yeah. And they're, the, then you're like, okay, well, if there's a study out there that says some of this came, you know, this is beforehand or whatever is caused by ADHD or it's, or it's a remnant of, or something, would you lose that, that, uh, predisposition or that the, uh, the supposition that it is service connected. And that was an interesting, interesting way to think about it. I had never thought about it that way. I can, I can tell you from my experience that, well, Hey, Hey, I think the ADD, ADHD, uh, even if you don't have that autism, ADHD, all, all that's a neurodevelopmental, uh, disorder or, or whatever. So I think a lot of it is, uh, it's human traits anyway. Yeah. I just, I, I just think if you have the diagnosis or your traits are to a point that they are a disorder, they are, they are making a deficit in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, then, then, you know, that's, I really think you have to say, you know, like impulse control, a lot of people ain't going to be running in, into, you know, the blood, the, the mud, blood and beer, you know, or, or into a burning fire, you know, this nobody don't think a neurotypical brain really wants to do that. It's driven to do that. It's a good you know? point. Yeah. You know? And, um, but for me is, um, my PTSD and complex trauma or whatever you want to call it, it, it is a perfect storm with my ADHD. I mean, they just amplify each other or, or, you know, one of my executive dysfunctions is, is, a uh, emotional control. So, um, and then my PTSD, my response emotion is anger, mm-hmm. you know, so I just can get fucking pissed off and zero to nothing pretty quick. So it, 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 they amplify each other. So, um, I know they would probably try to use it against you if you had ADHD or, or some kind of neurodiversity to say that that's the cause of it and not your complex trauma. But, um, you know, that's a sad thing, you know? So again, I think it, that would be going into a conversation. Well, I'm not going to talk about my ADHD. I'm only going to talk about my, my PTSD. 
Yeah. Well, and only talk about, you know, and all, and only, I guess that conversation would be more directed, only talking about your P PTSD and not letting them lead you down that road to the 80. Yeah. I, I see that. Uh, well, I wanted to bring up, I did a little Google search and I know Google's not perfect, but it, but it does. We talked about briefly about the cognitive, um, executive function and executive dysfunction, excuse me. And obviously it's a set of cognitive processes. Um, yeah. And I just want to reiterate for the, for, for the audience, because some of these people, some people might be out there and not even aware of this and the executive functions and their basic, basic cognitive process processes, such as attentional control, which I, I know that that's an issue for me, cognitive inhibition, inhibitory control, which is what you just talked about, a working memory, mm -hmm. it's just, I'm horrible with that. And then cognitive flexibility yeah. and you know, the, yeah. the high, high order executive functions are the simultaneous use of basic executive functions to include planning and fluid intelligence, that kind of thing, problem solving, yeah. reasoning. And, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I think that if you, if, if a number of us in a firehouse honestly took a look at these, we would go, oh shit. Yep. I got it. I know now I, now I see it. Now I understand it. Yeah. And, and yeah, I like one, this from, uh, Dr. Barkley up for my notes, uh, it's the five executive functions that manifest in daily life are self-restraint, time management, self-organization, problem solving, emotional self-regulation and self-motivation. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that all that ties into what you're just, it, it, it all ties in together because it, would, it's forms of yeah. or symptoms from. Yes. You know, in, in, when we talk about cognitive control, it, it they're talking it in, you know, cognitive control in relation to executive functions or executive dysfunctions. You, now we're looking at what we, you and I just talked about, excuse me, my, I'm still getting my voice back from being sick. Um, yeah. and it was a attention def deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, autism, other mm -hmm. uh, CNS, so central nervous system disorders, and then, um, addiction. Well, okay. Who, who, what group of people yeah. have, let's be honest, what group yeah. of people have more addiction problems than, than first responders? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I don't yeah, know. If, if you see a Venn diagram of addiction, like the biggest portion inside that circle would be another circle, which is ADHD. Another one, you can see me, no one else can't. Another <laughs> circle like that would be, you know, autism. And then all to the side would be depression, anxiety, and then uh, then another circle would be over to the bottom to uh, would be uh, other brain disorders, right? Which would include addiction. So yeah, I mean, you don't have to. Ha I mean, almost everyone with ADHD has some kind of executive dysfunction. Uh, not all people with autism have ADHD, but they can have some executive dysfunction, especially like the working memory, the verbal working memory stuff. And then, you know, depression, anxiety, all that, you know, all of it kind of touches each other, you know? And, and, and again, I just think it's a, it's a normal human problem, but just some of us have, it's just, they're just, we're, we're more dysfunctional than, than, than other people. Right. It. So it's, it's like, 
I don't even know how it is to be neurotypical or whatever you want to say. I don't know how people function like that. You know, I just, and I had to accept that a long time ago that I wasn't that, you know, and. You know, I, and I, I guess. I, I accepted that a long time ago as well. That, that, okay, my brain doesn't work or function like anybody else's or, or the quote unquote norm. What I didn't do right. and what I'm trying to do now is take responsibility and ownership for that. Okay. Now I know right. it and now I admit it and now I accept it. Well, fucking do something about it is where I'm at. Right. You know? And yeah. so that, that's, that's, that's where this journey is for me. I'm like, okay, well I, I'm, I am, I'm, I'm 54 years old and I'm just now figuring out what do I do with it? Yeah. So it's, it's fascinating to me and the brain is fascinating in general, to be honest with you. Yeah. On your, again, like what, like with, 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 with the, all that being said, with all my dysfunctions, all the things I didn't come with my dysfunctions, you know, I, I would, I, I accept those as well. Like I have my creativity brain, you know, part of that brain, that thing is just like, you know, on fire, you know, anything I can do to be creative. I love doing brings me joy, you know, and, and things like that. So if I'm kind of flaky on other things, but I have that, I would take being flaky on other things to, to have the vast amount of creative drive that I have to do. Yeah. That makes um, sense. You know, yeah, you, it's you're not, it, I mean, again, it's not great for normal day to day life, but you know, the joy that it brings is, you know, can't be replaced. It's that old adage, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So let's figure out the, what we can fix and then figure out what you harness from that same situation. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And, and the more I learn about myself and my brain and, and I do it honestly by talking to you, by talking to everybody else. And then I, and then I research the things we talk about or you sometimes yeah. I research beforehand, sometimes I research afterwards, sometimes I research just like I'm doing now at, in the moment. And it's, it, that's just the way it works for me. But at, the more I do it, the more it's like, wow, this is fascinating. What can I do to change this? Or what can I do to harness it? Not even yeah. just change it. Yeah. I don't think you're on change. It. I, I, again, I think it's just all about me understanding and management and giving yourself grace, you know, yeah. grace. Is uh, a big I think word. that's a big yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's like, uh, and during the holiday season, my wife always, and she just great at decorating and she wants to give the wow factor to the kids, <laughs> even older ones. And, 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 um, you know, and her anxiety is, you know, pumped up a little bit and, and, uh, and I'm like, Hey, we can only get done what we get done. So, I, and in that moment. I was, you know, trying to give us grace, you know, the accept, you know, like we're, we cannot accept what we can do, right? you know, and, and stressing over all this is this is going to make Christmas or, you know, holidays not fun. Exactly. So, you know, um, we got to a point that we, we both accepted that and got it done, but it was just, um, is, is, is allowing yourself that grace and it's not to let yourself slide and it's not to let yourself, you know continually do bad habits it, it's like hey i'm I, I know what's going on things happen you know and how can i just be better next time mm -hmm. with these things yeah grace is an and, excuse uh, yeah 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Grace is not an excuse. And if you're using it as an excuse, then, then you're definitely, you're manipulating it. Mm -hmm. So that's, I like that. I like that little conversation because then now I think that'll open up some more questions and, and maybe some more conversation from other people that are listening and are starting to recognize some of those same behaviors. So, and, and I think it is very relatable to the fire service. I think it's like you said, it's one of the reasons we're, we're willing to not to sound corny and cheesy, but to run into a burning building when other people aren't right. So, right. Yeah. Uh, and to do some of the other things that we do and, and it kind of explains why we all kind of recognize it and, and relate to each other. Oh yeah. So I, uh, trauma bond. Yeah. Trauma bond. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to, to thank you for that conversation. Uh, and, and I hope that you and I stay in touch a little bit because I, I think that, that I, I, I'm, I'm learning from you and, and I appreciate the connection. So, um, I, again, I thank you for coming on today and, and being so open and honest about these things. They're not, they're not always the easiest things to talk about because we're realizing and recognizing, you know, things that are different about ourselves and, 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 or about family members. And, and it's not always easy to share that with an audience. Same to you, man. I appreciate everything you're doing. I mean, but I think I've told you this in text or message before, but you know, you've been large, the, the podcast, the community, you know, have been a large portion of my journey is listening. I can't listen to every episode no. and all that because it just, you know, trigger stuff, but you know, just, just knowing I'm not the only person out there struggling, you know, how other people are out there. And then it's been a, it's been a very week, good part of my week when the, the shit comes out. Cause like, man, I, I'm going to learn something today, you know, and I'm going every, every episode I listen to had some, something I learned from. So I appreciate you and appreciate everybody, everybody that's been on. It's, well, it's helped me out a lot over the last few years. And, uh, likewise, I appreciate those words. That, that means a lot to me. Um, so we will wrap up right here. I think that, uh, I mean, I could ask you about another book in everyday carry, but we just did that. So unless you have another book you want to add, you feel, feel free and feel welcome. I, I, I always take book suggestions. Uh, I, and I'll, I'm reading, I'm reading a, a history book right now. So I, I, I mean, it's rebels at sea. It's okay. about, uh, the privateers of the revolutionary war. Okay. So it's just part of American history that a lot of people, you know, things that you were not taught in school. So it's, it's for me, it's pretty interesting, but that's one of my favorite periods in history read about the revolutionary war. So perfect. Um, that would be my book suggestion. That's, that is perfect, sir. And with that, um, I'll let you get on with the rest of your day and, uh, all right, we'll, uh, I'll let you know when the show's coming out so you get a heads up at least. Oh, nope, no problem. And if anyone has questions out there about special education, you know, or the IEP process and need help or don't understand what to do, you can reach out to me uh, on Instagram at, at TXSickBoy and um, just send me a message and we'll connect and we'll try, I'll try to walk you through what I do understand and what I do know. Awesome. Perfect, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll say that uh, this show is a wrap and, and we're out. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Things We All Carry. Head over to the website, 
thethingswealcarry.com for show notes, resources, and to sign up for the newsletter. Until next week, take care of yourselves and remember to check in on each other.